The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online, sometimes IGN.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I also write for IGN.com as Ooh. of this week. I, uh, I was approached. Yeah, you, they you, said, they you said re- did a couple of reviews. said review some stuff. I said, okay. Yeah. So there's some reviews now. Yeah, well done. And, and I get to see a midnight show tonight and review another one. Yeah, you're going to go see Geostorm, you isn't, lucky so-and-so. I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> this is the glamorous job. I'm actually jealous because I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to see Geostorm in theaters. You have an excuse. You have to. Well, but you saw The Snowman, right? I, unfortunately. And, it's uh, not very good. It's being called one of the worst films of the year, That is, is it? bullshit okay. because let me tell you something. I've seen some real shit this year <laughs> I mean, anyone who says the snowman is one of the worst films of the year has not been seeking out the bad films like a lot of critics don't have to watch everything so they don't and that's fine i totally get that but when you're talking about what the worst film of the year is and you think it's a snowman and you're not even factoring in shit like the book of henry or <laughs> unfriended not unfriended friend request friend request unfriended actually wasn't half bad friend request is shit <laughs> like there's some real yeah. shit out there Fr- friend request is so terrible really legendarily yeah. bad Unfri- oh my god unfriend that dead bitch actual line of dialogue actual line of dialogue and this really terrible movie it's really funny uh we're not here to talk about movies we're here to talk about tv we're here to talk about television uh it is our spooktober do we what do we call it? Supernatural Tober? Monstober. So, 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 Monstober. Monstober. So long as we can involve the word spooktacular, I'll be okay. There we go. Uh, it is Halloween. We're reviewing a bunch of horror-centric theme shows. We uh, we did Bates Motel, mm-hmm. the failed pilot, not the series everyone likes. That got a write-up in the AV Club. The, the original, the 80, 87 Bates Motel? No, our podcast. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, there's they do this thing called Podmass where they talk about the best podcasts like the week prior. And right. our review of Bates Motel <laughs> got a, a favorable <laughs> review in essentially The Onion, but the part they take seriously. And that's cool. The, the part they take seriously is actually some pretty good arts AV coverage. Club is yeah. pretty good. Like, I'm very, very and honored I, to have been part of that. I also love how cynical their, like, entertainment news is. Yeah. No, they're like, they're not uh, they're not drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, they're, they're like pretty good. Marvel introduced a title because that matters somehow. Yeah. Will be the actual headline. It'll Whoopity really, shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> because whoopty shit. So we did Bates Motel, and yeah. then last week we did one of the worst shows we've done in a long time. Oh come now, well it's in a long bad. time. It's it's not our worst. One of our worst in a while. Uh, it was a superhero show mm. about a Dracula, a Wolfman, and a Frankenstein who fight crimes as a superhero team. Mm. This week, we've got something completely different. Uh-huh. We have we an have, animated series. Yeah, about, about a, Dracula, a Dracula, a Wolfman, a Frankenstein, and Frankenstein who, 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 who are superheroes who fight crime. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I hate you for making me watch this. Let's you know take what? a look. Uh, let's take a uh, hold on. Uh, okay. Well, let's take a look at Drag Pack. <laughs> From the monsters of the past comes a new generation dedicated to reversing the evil image of their forefathers. Under the leadership of none other than Count Dracula, known as Big D, three teenagers form the Do-Gooder group, named the Dracula. With special powers, they can transform into super mighty monsters and use their skills against all evildoers, especially the diabolical Dr. Dread and his renegade rascals Toad, Fly, Mummy Man, and Vampira, a group known as Ogre. The organization of generally rotten enterprises. It's right versus wrong, good over greed, niceness against naughtiness. That's the dedication of the terrific trio, Frankie, Howler, and Drac Jr. The Drac Pack. What have you done? Okay, to my credit, this isn't something that's been percolating in my head for a long time. This isn't a memory I had from my childhood. Uh-huh. Drac Pack only recently came to my attention. In fact, while I was watching Monster Squad, I just I was looking up other things with these creatures in it. It's like, yeah. well, what the heck is Drac Pack? Ooh, Hanna Barbera. They're a wasteland of garbage. We need, <laughs> we need to even the good th- Hanna Barbera yeah, is we, kind of a wasteland of garbage. Scooby Doo is crap, guys. Scooby Doo has good gonna, ideas, but man, I'm not going to go to bat for Scooby Doo. It's a, even the Flintstones is hit and miss. It's, the thing with Hanna Barbera. Here's the thing with Hanna Barbera. I'm not sure we will ever be able to adequately convey to future generations mm. just how important. Hanna-Barbera made itself. <laughs> we did not request more Hanna-Barbera. But they forced they, themselves in. Hanna-Barbera filled a demand for content. That's mm. basically what they well, did. And, and there were Saturday mornings, and they filled time. Yeah, and they and were good at it. Well, they made bad shows, but they were good at filling time. Here's what they. Here's what Hanna-Barbera, they didn't invent it, but they really pioneered it and made it important and actually made animation move into television in a really significant way. Uh, by what they called limited animation. Yeah. Um, you watch old Bugs Bunny cartoons, especially the stuff like Bob McKimson, where like the mouths and the hands are really moving. Or, mm-hmm. or Google uh, Bob McKimson if you, if or, you know or who even, that's talking about. Yeah. A god. Uh, he's, a god. He, he's one of the gods of the Termite Terrace back in yeah. the, the Warner Brothers days. Yeah. Uh, no Chuck Jones? Who is? Uh, uh, or Bob Clampett, especially, yeah. who did like the really wrinkly, ugly Bugs Bunny cartoons. The point is, when you animate something, you're animating it frame by frame, cell by cell. Mm-hmm. And the classic animation of your, be it the Warner Brothers cartoons or even the old Disney movies, they would do 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm. And they would, re- it would be just the smooth, beautiful animation. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't 24, but it wasn't limited. Uh, it was 12, I think it was 12 drawings. My per, point is, per, but yeah, my point is when Hanna Barbera did it for television, we're looking at five. Well, <laughs> there was well, not a lot of animation. They, they, they didn't pull frames. It was still it was still twelve drawings per second, but they required a lot less movement. And they actually were was for the first time they were designing characters so they could animate them in a scene with minimal amount of movement. Yeah, characters started being designed in three quarters so they could look in toward the camera or at somebody next to them without having to move at all. Or just their eyes. Or was like really just simple. their eyes were moving or they their mouths would be sort of disembodied from their bodies and they could yeah. sort of just animate, just animate that one part. Or just, yeah. an, just eyes. And in fact, if 
If you've ever been to sort of like an animation fair where you can buy cells, I'm not sure if that's even something that happens anymore. Even there's still like specialty booths at like Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can flip through and you can see cells like of just eyes or just a leg. And that's the result of limited animation because there's an animator doing just that blinking eyes. Mm-hmm. You get through a scene in a day and it it's really streamlined. Yeah. But the animation is stodgy. Frequently, it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> And the writing really suffers because it's going so quickly. Well, it's going so quickly, and like, there's got to be basically just just a lot of dialogue. Mm. It's just a lot of padding for every single episode. So, like, half your episode is just Huckleberry Hound looking at mm. something off camera, then looking at the camera and going, mm-hmm. mm. and then five minutes later, something happens. Or, like, there, or there's a lot of dialogue over like a still shot of a blimp, and you know, yeah. or like the voices coming from inside. No, I'm not. Listen, I, I, we joke about Hanna Barbera. We're not trying to badmouth Hanna Barbera. They they change the industry. Oh, and, so, uh, and and you know what? I still got nostalgia for however horrible they are. I still yeah. got nostalgia because that's what I was weaned Th- on. There's some Hanna Barbera that I still have a lot of affection for. Some mm. of the old quick draw cart- uh, McDraw cartoons, oh. I still think are pretty funny. So, uh, Sancho Panda and Don Coyote are, are kind of clever. That's that's later on. I think they were mm. doing more animation by then because that was a mm. while ago. That was like the '90s, wasn't it? So, so, Don Coyote. Don I Coyote. Think? Yeah, I was like, I saw, like, I saw like the Don... slight late '70s, wasn't it? No, I saw Don Coyote. Maybe it was a reboot. I don't know. But Don Coyote, like that was. Mm. I saw that. In the I'm early looking 90s. up Don Coyote because. All right, fine. My point is, is that there was a ton, and for. Every series you remember, like Scooby Doo or Yogi Bear, mm-hmm. uh, or even you know maybe some of their lesser cousins like mm-hmm. Hong Kong Fooey, which mm-hmm. everyone loves, but there really weren't as many episodes as you might think. You're right, ninety. Yeah, Don't I don't know those. what you're thinking. But All like, right, never mind then. But uh, for every one of those, mm-hmm. there were a ton that vanished. They <laughs> they did like twelve episodes. No one gave a shit, and they never made any more. Mm-hmm. And Drac Pack is one of many. Uh-huh. And Drac Pack is basically the exact same basic premise as the Monster Squad. You have Drac Jr., who's mm. actually Dracula's great nephew. So we got this James Bond Jr. situation mm. where you're not entirely sure if Dracula fucked his mom. Well, Dracula is centuries old. Who's to say that he didn't have you know a distant brother at some point who was also named Dracula or just Drac? <laughs> He's never called Dracula Jr. He's only ever called Drac. He's called Drac Jr. Dracula is actually called Dracula a few times. Yeah. Even though, as you heard in that clip, Dracula, also known as Big D. Known as Big D. Fuck you the first time I heard that. The first time I heard that, my brain screamed, fuck you, (laughs) Big D. Why is that so important? You need to take time to introduce it in the credits. Big it, D. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I like this old Dracula also, business, but if we call him Big D, I'm on board. I'll watch that Drac back. Also, why are why are we calling a cartoon character Big D? <laughs> anyway, there's no reason Cause, anyway because he's got a big D, I guess. He's got a huge D. He's Dracula. Doesn't get much and he, bigger. And he slams it in his coffin lid every time he closes it. All right, so you got Drac Junior, mm. uh, who is basically um, he's the leader of the team, mm. and. He's got a voice where you can tell they're trying to do a Don Adams impersonation, but they missed it by that much. Well, he's voiced by an actor named Jerry Dexter, who played teenagers in everything. Yeah. Uh, you might recall him. He was uh, His voice was in Josie and the Pussycats, mm. uh, Shazam. He also had a live-action role in the Robert Redford movie, Downhill Racer, which has a Criterion Collection release. I, I've, I've projected that. I've, I've never seen it. I've heard good things. <laughs> 
It's it's a pretty good one. That's fine. It's better than The Swimmer, I guess. Uh, I hear really good things about The Swimmer, actually. Really? really? Okay. It's been a while since I've seen The Swimmer. Okay. Uh, he is joined uh, by Frankie, who is the Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie is voiced by William Calloway, who was the voice of Aquaman on Super Friends. He also did voices for the Inhumanoids, the Defenders of the Earth, and, incidentally, Quack Pack. No kidding. Yeah, that was his last credit, was Quack Pack. Aww. He's the voice of Frankie, and he's the voice of the Wolfman Howler. He plays them both? Plays them both. No shit. Really weird. Howler is the Wolfman, and the Wolfman is uh, kind of like the dweeby, kind of the the shaggy, not the shaggy. Yeah, the shaggy. He's the shaggy of the group. He's the shaggy of the group. He's got a shirt that doesn't quite fit. He sounds like kind of a slacker. Um, And We we, we essentially have Fred from Scooby-Doo, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, and Moose from Archie. More or less. And Howler, the thing with, Frankenstein is a very likable but kind of dumb guy. Mm. You know, I don't know what it is about like the kind of nerds who would like animate a series about monster superheroes that they decide to make every big guy dumb. Like it's kind of like it's I kind was... of shitty. Like you know, wh- who beat you up? Who hurt you? <laughs> why do we need to? Why do we need to perpetuate these horrible stereotypes about big dudes? I don't know. Mean because when you're an athlete, you are getting by on your body alone, and you don't have to foster your mind. It's and that's so and that's what shitty nerds think. There's a lot of smart big guys who just take care of their body. It's mean. <laughs> I'm not even one of them. I'm not even make, taking this personally. I just find it weird and distracting. Well, what do you do for a living? I'm a weightlifter. What does that involve? Picking things up and then putting them down again? It's a there's lot of hard work. A, there's a lot more to it I than know, that. I okay. know. Okay. In any case, like, doesn't involve a lot of philosophy, is my point. But it can. It can. It doesn't preclude an interest in philosophy. I suppose not. Boom. Uh, <laughs> Howler is is uh, his thing, and this is actually kind of a, a neat thing. Like I almost like. Like, they almost put some thought into it. Like, how do we make the Wolfman a little different? He's not just the Wolfman. He's also the big bad wolf because he's got super breathing powers. Yeah, like he huffs and he puffs and he can, like, knock over buildings. And I don't see that. I mean, there's that really good uh, Neil Jordan movie, The Company of Wolves, which does, like, a werewolf slash Little Red Riding Hood kind of mm-hmm. crossover. It's kind of a psychedelic film, but it's pretty good. It's a good movie yeah. and people don't talk about it enough. Um, but uh, other than that. It's like a Ken Russell film. Doesn't it? It's a little it's weird. Super, yeah. it's, it's kind of vague perverse you're not sure yeah anyway that's that's a good werewolf movie and like there aren't a lot of good werewolf movies so that's totally worth checking out if you haven't seen it um but uh, yeah th- that's just a, a crossover they don't do very often now but however they're not permanently a dracula frankenstein and a wolfman no they're not they're shapeshifters yeah they're, they're, they're usually they're, just they're like teens the, they're like yeah they're usually just regular teenagers yeah they live in dracula's mansion mm-hmm. and they contact dracula via video screen super computer monitor i'm not for the Dracula's most mansion? Part. I thought they lived in another Dracula mansion, and Dracula lived in another mansion elsewhere, and that's it's why they had to use it. It's really him. unclear. Okay. Now, oh, we didn't say. This is 1980, by the way. Oh, yeah, this sorry. Like, this is this was on CBS uh, from uh, September 6th through December 20th, 1980. There were 16 episodes total. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it ran pretty regularly in reruns for many years. Oh, yeah, because that's so. the thing. What Hanna-Barbera would do is they would make a show, and again, they just filled the time. Mm. I mean, there were so many like blocks of programming I saw as a kid where... Just you knew that between like nine thirty and ten, some Hanna Barbera show would be on. It could be twenty years old for all you fucking know, but they're gonna put it in there, and it's gonna be completely random. And if you liked last week's, there's absolutely no guarantee you're gonna get another one of those this week. And it's annoying <laughs> as fuck. I could not find Dragon's Lair for the life of me. 
We talked about that another anyway, week, but it's true. Anyway, back yeah. to the show. Back to the show. Uh, so they're ordinarily or just regular teenagers. Yes. And then they uh, engage in an activity known as a circle jerk. I mean... Uh, a drac whack. A drac whack, which sounds totally sexual. What they do is they... They're, so they're all normal teens. Something mm. has happened. We have, to, we have to jump into action. And they say, let's drac whack. Mm. And then someone yells, wacko. Mm. And then they all touch each other. They, all, they do like a, th- a three-way high five. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a bumper. There's a, a pre-recorded animation where sequence, everyone transforms. Yeah. And here's, here's the thing. Howler looks like a slacker werewolf. Fine. Uh, Frankie gets, looks like a Frankenstein. He gets a little bigger. Yeah. It's a little bigger. It's fine. Drac Jr. glams it up. He, like a cape appears around his body. Yeah. He, like, he gets eye makeup. I'm no longer convinced that Velvet Goldmine is based on Bowie. I actually think it's, <laughs> it's based, based on, on Drac Jr. Jr. <laughs> he looks... Fa- There's so much eye makeup. Like he's on... Like he should be on RuPaul's Drag Race and he'd win. Like he's... And you know what's interesting is that they take... They give him lipstick. Mm. And they don't just like, you know, kind of just redden up his lips a bit. They make him sultry. He's yeah, got like yeah. Lauren Bacall lips. Like he's he got, is gorgeous. Sexy pouty lips now. It's and, just uh, interesting that something that's so like uh sort of metrosexual mm. is the hero of this thing. And he is he is rather um effete mm. in his uh his gait and his body <laughs> language. And it's I'm not saying it's like necessarily intentional, it's probably an accident, but I feel like Vaguely empowering about it. Like, well, I can imagine like, some kids at home going, just like, go get him, Drac. Here's here's an, <laughs> like a feet little boys watching this yeah. saying, look, there's an a feet hero for me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I'll sure. Ta- I'll take it. Now I'll take anything I can get out of this. The problem is shit because it, it's. Oh yes, it is. This is this is a garbage show, by the way. Oh, God. But. Their transformation is completely illogical, uh, yes, with, is. with even the most rudimentary glance. So they tra- they're shapeshifters. They yes. transform into these monsters. Yeah. However, they're named Howler, Frankie, and Drac Jr. in both instances. So yes. they're not disguising their identities. Mm-hmm. They're just mutating their bodies. Yeah, and indeed, the Drac Pack is famous. People know them as international yeah. superheroes. But they don't know them as humans, which is a little odd. Mm-hmm. But, and so they don't have any like human... like. They don't, like, go to school. There's no need to keep a secret identity. The secret identity is just this arbitrary thing. I guess they figured superheroes needed, so they put it in the show. They do the same thing the kids in the Mystery Machine did. They deal drugs. So, (laughs) (laughs) Mystery Machine sold weed. Drac Pack sells meth. Yeah. Uh, I think this is an LSD group. You think? No. The, there's they're, some, they're, there's they're some funky shit. They're really hyper a lot of the time. I okay. think they're, they're like tweaking on math or something. All right, well, I'm think, not going to fight you. I think they're meth dealers. Okay, that's They got funny. a big, creepy castle in a remote, remote location. That's Just like not, all meth dealers, they love their castles. Uh, well, <laughs> they live in like shacks out in the middle of nowhere, right? I don't know meth dealers. What am I talking about? All I know about? is what I saw in Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, that's what I know about meth from a show I didn't watch. <laughs> I love, but, their, I love so, their their hideout because they got one of those hideouts like Spider-Man and his amazing friends where like you pull a thing and the wall turns yeah. over and there's a giant computer on the other side. And it makes no sense in Spider-Man and, Amaz- and his amazing friends because Aunt May lives there and she should know that there's huge parts of the apartment that aren't being used. Like, didn't we have like a 1200? <laughs> foot apartment like wh- well, and they, where did it all go they, they have no intermediary with the police they yeah. don't have people coming to their house why yeah. is that stuff hidden just yeah. have it out honestly <laughs> like when you think about the amount of space it takes to have to like create a wall that can pull a 100 like a 360 degree turn hmm. That's a huge amount of floor space that's being taken up for no reason other than you want to flip that wall around. 
That's a terrible design. Unless there's another like gigantic room behind it that's already there. Yeah. yeah. So they have an illogical computer that, and yeah. they they move aside a portrait with a big, and there's a big D, like a calligraphic yeah. D behind it with a button on it. They push it, it turns around. Dracula says, "Hey, supervillains in town again? Yeah. Go do your thing. Uh, okay, we'll shape change. Okay, why did you shape change?" Why aren't you just staying monsters all the time? There's no downside there's, yeah. to being a monster so, all the time. I guess for, maybe they, Howler they might like, same. oh, there's a lot of hair. Like, I, 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 I yeah. chafe if I'm a werewolf all the time. I'd yeah, rather maybe, not be. Maybe, maybe Frankenstein has trouble finding clothes when he's large. There's an episode Drac about Jr. him finding clothes. Drac Jr. shape changes into a being that has shape changing powers. Yes. What, what's the point? Why doesn't he just change into a human when he needs to and, and just the, be Dracula and, the rest of the time? And here's the other thing about the Dracwack, which... Uh, the Dracwack. <laughs> take that in. The Dracwack. Dracwack attack is back, Jack. Punch. <laughs> One of the, like... Because it's a superhero show from, like, you know, the early era, so every episode the heroes the get kidnapped. Well, you know what I mean. Like, nowadays, not every superhero show includes, you know, Batman, mm. The Flash, Arrow, whatever, mm. getting kidnapped and having to save a death trap literally every episode. Uh. That was the routine mm. in a, a lot of comic books. Not all comic books, but a lot of comic books and certainly every show. Mm. Um, so that happens every single time. And one of the things that happens a lot is they get like trapped in their human forms. And there's an episode, for example, where they're like buried up to their heads in the sand at high tide. Mm. And they can't drag whack because oh. they can't touch each other. So I'm like, so they have to like hit their heads together mm. to drag whack. And I'm like, what happens mm. when one of you dies? Can't dra- well, no one. We just have to drag whack the corpse. You have to like just touch how like Howler's dead, and you well, got to keep his his stuffed corpse in the living room so you can drag whack well, still. It's, or it's, it's like or a, do his powers like pass on to the next available person? That, that death metal band, you know how they one of their bandmates committed suicide, so they kept like bones of his on their necklaces. Yeah. Thereafter, that that's just it. They keep like a piece of him on a necklace, which makes me wonder. Maybe there were other monsters who died, and now <laughs> they have like Gilman like. Yeah. You know, scales like they're, sort of surgically always, implanted in their arms. They're always wearing the same outfits. You ever notice that? I whose, did notice that. Whose skin is that made out of? Now, <laughs> they fight the same villain every week. And yes. the villain is Dr. Dredd, mm-hmm. played by, and I don't know how to pronounce his name. I believe it's Hans Conried. Conried, uh, who played the voice of Thorin in The Hobbit. Uh, the Ralph Bakshi Hobbit. The Ralph Hobbit, Bakshi Hobbit, yeah. and who also played the voice of Captain Hook in the 1953 Peter Pan movie. Captain Hook in the, ni- okay, the 1953 Peter Pan movie is both glorious and horrifically dated and like it's approach to like native american population yeah, the blah, yeah. blah 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 but like th- there's a lot of stuff in there that we need to have a long conversation about that's a topic for not this show another time we're going to talk specifically about Hans Conrad who gives an amazing performance in Peter Pan uh-huh. like what is it about hook like i've, I've i don't think i've ever seen a, a lethargic a, captain hook i've never seen a shitty captain hook like every captain hook Hans Conrad is an amazing Captain Hook. Mm. Jason Isaacs in the P.J. Hogan Peter Pan, which is an, a wonderful it's movie that people do not talk about. Very, enough. very good film. Jason Isaacs gives an incredible performance as Captain Hook. But Steven Spielberg's Hook. I don't know what behooved him. What made him think to cast Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was an inspired choice. <laughs> Peter Pan and the Pirates, a great There's animated Tim, series. Tim Curry played voice the voice of Tim Curry. Of, yeah, played the voice I, of Captain Hook. I've heard. I've heard tell that Sir Ian McKellen, and when he was young. 
played Captain Hook on stage. I've never seen a shitty Captain Hook. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Anyone who is thinking to themselves, I know a shitty Captain Hook, keep it to yourself. <laughs> we don't want to hear it. I, I like this fantasy my, where all like, Captain Hooks Captain are awesome. Captain Hook is great. Okay, yeah. so... I, I love his voice. I've heard it a lot as a kid. Uh, the Hobbit was a go-to when yeah. I was a child. So I'm, I'm kind of used to his voice. It's a great voice. And uh, He's just doing Hook. And he's just doing the same voice. Yeah. Uh, the Captain Hook voice. So if you like the Captain Hook voice, here it is again as Dr. Dredd. And it's now, a great voice. That's D-R-E-D, by the way. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dredd, he, is, he looks like the peculiar purple pie man from Porcupine Peak from Strawberry Shortcake. Dressed like Carmen Sandiego, only as like powder blue skin. See, I was gonna he's go like, with. And, uh, he's uh, like, I don't uh, know. I was gonna go with. Is it Dick Dastardly? The guy who has he look, the yeah, it looks a lot like Dick Dastardly. He looks like he looks like a purple Dick Dastardly. Yeah, that's, basically, that's fine. That's, that's yeah. also a good comparison. Yeah, the the villains were all very common, and they're all derived from Snidely Whiplash anyway. Yeah. Uh, which is in turn derived from old Canadian rescue serials of the mm-hmm. silent era. Um, but yeah, Dr. Dredd has his own cadre, his own team of supervillains. They're Ogre, called, yes. the organization of generally rotten enterprises. Except for one time when one they say the generally rotten endeavors, endeavors and they never mention it again. Yeah, they, <laughs> Just someone forgot and no one said anything. And uh, there's a character called the Fly who in one episode is Fly Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they change his name a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he he also has his own retinue of monsters. He has yeah. uh, the fly. Yeah, he has uh, uh, the, uh, also Toad, who is this very Peter Lorre-ish, mm. uh guy who keeps hitting himself with a fly swatter whenever he's been bad. It's mm. you wonder seriously about the psychological the psychology of Toad, and you bad. worry about him. And he and he has a catchphrase. This thing's lousy with catchphrases, yeah. man. Bad, bad Toad. It's bad Toad. Bad Toad. Every time he does something, bad Toad. Bad Toad. Uh, one episode, he lost his clothes. And in doing something bad in the pirate episode, and he put, oh, a, yeah. put a barrel around his body, hit himself with a fly swatter and said, nude toad, nude toad. I did, I, God, I must have been getting a drink of water. Okay. Okay. Both toad and fly, both toad and fly are voiced by Don Messick. Don was, Messick is a, a legend. Fucking legend. Let me tell you who played, Don Messick. Papa Smurf. He was Papa Smurf. And he was Scooby Doo, the dog, the original Scooby Doo. He was Scooby Doo for many years before Frank Welker took over. That's Frank, true. Frank Welker eventually took over. Don Mouse died yeah. in in the early nineties. I guess like the mid nineties. So uh, yeah, he passed away. He had to pass uh, on Scooby Doo, but he was Scooby Doo for he, forever. And he played Hampton J Pig on Tiny Toon Adventures. He most certainly did. He also delivered my favorite laugh in entertainment history. Oh yeah, he was Muttley. He was, Motley right, the was, dog was Motley in the like dog. wacky races. He was. If you ever heard, if you ever heard me go, <laughs> that's that's Motley. That's Motley. I love that laugh. I don't know why. That's my favorite mischievous Motley, like Motley. <laughs> Get back in here, Motley. That's my dick dastardly. <laughs> so yeah, Don, Don Messick, <laughs> genuine legend. Yeah, you look up his his resume. It's, there's thousands, it's like three hundred credits. Yeah. He did everything. Uh, also in uh, Doctor Dredd's. Uh, Cadre. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Mummy Man, played by Chuck McCann, who also had a very long career. Not as many major roles. I believe he was um, uh, he was the butler on DuckTales. Oh, okay. Um, I, he was I also in G.I. Joe. He was in the Pac-Man series. He also had a recurring Pac-Man role series. on the live-action uh, hit series Boston Legal. 
Oh, no kidding. All right. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, so Mummy Man is a big hulking mummy. I kind of like that he's a super strong mummy. You don't see mm. that a lot. Usually mummies are considered kind of frail. And, and, like, his, and his shtick is uh, not necessarily crushing things, but he can fashion his bandages into, like, lassos. Which is fine. That's, that's, that's fine. I've seen worse mummy shtick. Yeah, that's, that's okay. There's Vampira. Yes. Played by Julie McWhorter, who actually didn't have as long a career, or at least not as uh, mm-hmm. a prolific a career. Uh, but she was the voice of Casper for a while. Uh, she oh, was nice. also in Pac-Man. She was in Flintstone Kids. She and one of her last credits was the Pirates of Darkwater, oh, nice. which is a okay. really cool show. I always liked the Pirates of Darkwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, we forgot to mention that Big D is yeah. voiced by Alan Oppenheimer. Now, Alan Oppenheimer, uh, who is also a, he was uh, one of the voices in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. He was the voice of Inch High Private Eye. Oh well, that that's notable. That was, he was that was <laughs> he was in He Man. He was in the classic. Smurfs. Uh, he was also on a show. I I loved, and mm. I think it lasted too long for us to do on the show called Bionic Six, which was this like oh, pretty God. good Fantastic Four knockoff. We had a great theme song. Go to YouTube. Mm. I could sing it for you. I know Bionic that. Bionic Six. Doo, 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 doo. Super secret. We fight family. together. We fight for right. It's actually it's actually like weirdly well animated for its era. Like it's it's pretty cool. Uh, but here's the coolest thing about Alan Oppenheimer. The coolest credit he has mm. in the Neverending Story. He was the Rockbiter and Falcor. Oh, nice. That's okay. fucking cool. Like, a lot of people grew up loving those characters. That was mm. Alan Oppenheimer. True. So, here's the cool thing about animation is that there's, honestly, like, there's, you don't have to, like, dedicate six months to a role like you do in a lot of, like, movies and TV shows. You can just shows. go into a booth and get yeah. it done in, like, a day. So, any animated show we ever cover here, we're going to deal with legends no matter how shitty it is because there was, <laughs> there was enough work to go around that they mm. just were working on everything. Uh, I, I, I've heard some voice actors bemoan the release of Shrek because yeah. Shrek was the first time that uh, name actors who are not known for voice acting mm-hmm. were were credited above the title. It's like, here's Shrek. It stars Mike Myers in the voice of this character. I I'm not sure that's 100% did... true because before – I think the one that really cracked that mm-hmm. was uh, uh, Aladdin. Although that was uh, – stu- but that was stunt casting. That was, that stunt was casting. kind of a big deal. Who, who played Aladdin? Can, you can tell, tell you. Yeah, yeah. See, Couldn't tell you. Who, can you name any other aside from Gilbert Gottfried? Can you name any other <coughs> no, voice couldn't. actor? Not a, not yeah. a band. See, yeah. See, and that's, I, and that's not a slide because they're just they were chameleons. Yeah, yeah. Those that was the skill of the voice actors mm-hmm. that they were chameleons. They didn't stand out. Mm-hmm. They were just the character. You think of, when you think of Aladdin, you think of Aladdin. Mm-hmm. That's that character. When you think of the genie, you think of Robin Williams, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. <laughs> that's at least that's a problem mm-hmm. that arose now. Disney had done this before. Um, I believe. But, I believe in the Jungle Book. It was George Sanders who played. Uh, George uh, Sanders played Shere Khan. Yeah, that and, was like and the Louis first. Prima played uh, true uh, Louis King Louis. Yeah, so that was kind of stunt casting as well. And pff, boy, George Sanders was amazing. In that <laughs> I love George Sanders so much. But like you know, but like it still wasn't like this big stunt thing. Mm. When well, Shrek and, and came also, along, also that was in the in, advertising. That was like yeah, star- it yeah. wasn't. Keep, about the characters who were just starring when, this cast. In 1967, when George Sanders was voicing Shere Khan, it wasn't starring George Sanders. This is George Sanders in 1967. This is George Sanders tailing off. Mm. Uh, Roger Ebert put it this way. Doing cartoon voices is what you did instead of dinner theater. Mm. You know, it's when your career's kind of petering out. Orson Welles is doing a Transformers movie because he's in trouble. Well, I mean, that was Transformers. <laughs> Disney movies were, at the very least, making big money. Th- this is true. But, but these, like, still, these are yeah. not, yeah, these are actors who are trying to get a paycheck. Point and, made. 
I think a lot of these legendary voice actors kind of lamented the fact that non-voice actors started getting all of this voice work because they're celebrities and it was taking a lot of work away from them, lending this new kind of star credibility to actors who weren't necessarily well suited to that sort of thing. Cameron Diaz is not a voice actress. No. She can act behind a microphone. She's fine. But how many voices can she do? She can do Cameron Diaz. <laughs> she can do Cameron Diaz. Like, at the very least, you know what? At, least, at least Mike Myers does an accent. Mo, <laughs> Mo Marsh can do Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Rob Paulson can do Cameron Diaz. And you know what? They probably will work for less, and they're more talented. For all we know, they did. They just <laughs> they ghost have, voiced yeah. Cameron Diaz. There you go. That's no slight to Cameron Diaz. For the good role, she for the good role, she's really good. Actually, she's fine. My yeah. point is, yeah. there are m- much more varied, legendary, talented voice actors in the world who could have continued to do this, and who are having roles taken away from them by non-voice actors. All right, let's talk about some of these. Godforsaken episodes. Uh, the first episode okay. to air. T- to put it down, we have our superhero team and our supervillain team and no other recurring characters. N- uh, no, that's it. We've talked to every character we've mentioned. Those are the ones. Honestly, are- usually there are no other characters, period. Yeah. Like, not even, like, like incidental might, characters. We might have, like, an incidental professor here and there, but there's yeah. no recurring character. There's no Pretty cop, much just there's these no guys. girlfriend. In fact, there's no other people that these characters socialize with other than each other. They only exist for each other, and now I'm wondering if they're all in hell. <laughs> like this is their that, fate. They all Jean Paul Sartre sort of sense. Yeah, they're all other they're, people. They're hell just sort of stuck with each other. It's like in uh, Hell is other drag packs. Well, it's like in that one Batman, uh, 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 the Killing Joke, where you just mm. realize that Batman and the Joker are just are permanently the only, trapped. Only people in this universe now. They, yeah. Well, they just they're the only people who understand each other. Mm. They're they're both fucked up, but they're the only people who understand each other. There's, always, there's a recurring... It's not even a gag. It's just this weird bit in almost every episode of Drag Pack where... Uh, Dr. Dredd mm. uh, calls Drac Jr. And he never calls him on a phone. He always calls him on something that isn't a phone. Like in one episode, he calls him on a seashell. There's another episode where he calls him on a fire hydrant. There's another episode... <laughs> That's right, he calls him on a fire hydrant. I don't understand. There's another episode where he calls him on a soda vending machine. Like he hacked the soda vending machine mm. so it was a video phone. This was before soda vending machines were videos. <laughs> before they had TVs on them. Yeah. They, he, this, one, the weird, this one, I had. I think I had to watch it twice and I'm still not sure I got it. He hacked him through a wall mm. and he appeared on the wall as the graffiti. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand it at all, but he, well, there's this thing where... Doc, Dr. Dredd, like, he doesn't have any magical powers himself, but yeah. he, he he has a, a dirigible, what he call, which he calls the Dredgeable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because that, yeah. that's his air, his magical airship. Rolls off the tongue. He's uh, a mad scientist. He's a mad scientist, and, and he yeah. invents uh, various, the, the various widgets that, you know, like shrinking rays and the like. Yeah, but every episode... That allow him to commit some sort of crime. Yeah, that's every episode, but every and, episode... And he has no goal. Not specific goal. Like he's yeah, not he, like he's wants, not like Gargamel, wants, where he's trying to destroy the Smurfs. He's just trying to do crimes. Yeah, he's he's just trying to promote chaos. Almost every episode. Back to my point mm. about them being stuck in hell. Uh, almost every episode, mm. Dread calls Drac Junior up, and he has a secret meeting 
with Drac Jr. Mm. at some weird location. Like there's one where they're like on the top of a mountain in like a giant eagle's nest and Vampira <laughs> turns into an eagle and drops Dr- uh, a Dread down there so he can just have like a, you know like a like a announce uh, his plan. Yeah. Well, it, it's a, it's like it's like a parlay. Like a truce while we talk about our plan because we respect each other. There's another one where it opens with the weird meeting. And it's on like one of those one of those deserted islands you only ever see in cartoons, which yeah, is like, like three palm trees and yeah, yeah. It looks it's like roughly the size of a studio apartment, like <laughs> and it's just the palm tree and sand. And they meet there, and then Drac uh, Dread announces that he's gonna like break the Guinness Book of World Records record for the most giant crimes committed in three hours. And then he leaves Drac Junior there, mm-hmm. and Drac Junior just rips open part of a palm tree, pulls a pull cord like it was like a leaf blower and then the palm tree turns into a helicopter and the whole island flies away Mm. and i'm like i'm not sure you had rules on the show but if you did you broke them because that's not a thing so i mean clearly this is a comedy show as well and and the something i appreciate is that drac jr is not just sort of a bland leader type he's not he well he he's kind of a bumbling guy he screws up almost unilaterally Everything he tries, he messes up. Did you notice that? I did notice that. He constantly says, comes up with an idea, and then and Howler, and Howler yeah. comes up with a better idea, and Drax says, I was just about to suggest that. Yeah, and, he, and he, he says something that's, you know, in like eight pairs of quotation marks, a joke. Something mm-hmm. that like resembles a joke when you're seven, but it even doesn't make you laugh even when you're seven. Mm. So he's meant to be kind of a buffoonish character. Yeah. They're all kind of buffoonish characters. Yeah. So there's... Even though it doesn't read, there's supposed to be a slapstick element to this, which is why I don't accept, but I'm willing to roll with the fact that there's occasionally a telephone hidden in a fire hydrant. (laughs) Well, in any case, the episode that began the series, and there's no origin episode, they just throw you right into it, Mm. much like Monster Squad. Uh, The first episode was called Color Me Dreadful, and the gag, the gimmick... That Dr. Dredd comes up with in this episode is he has a gun that steals color from things. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where he's apparently just been in a museum and he stole all the color from the paintings. Yeah. And the proprietor of the museum he's goes hold, to the Drag. Holding all the paintings yeah. in his arms. And and Drag Jr. just says, oh, those are some great drawings. They're supposed to be paintings. And I'm like, they'd still be paintings. Did he steal the paint? Or are they just like the artist's the, sketch underneath? I don't know what... That's not how... But here's the thing. His plan here... And wouldn't that be a great opportunity for art historians to sort of see the it, process? It would and, be fascinating. His evil plan is at most an inconvenience. Like, it's like, it's like, oh no, we're all like, imagine, okay, listen, to be colorblind is an inconvenience. A lot of the world Mm. uh, is color coded, like the traffic lights, Mm. signs, whatever. But the world is also very specifically designed as much as it can be Mm. to work even if you are colorblind. (laughs) Because the stop signs mean you can't see that they're red per se, Mm. but they do have the same shape. And they're on top. (laughs) Yeah, the the top light, you might not be able to see that the the traffic light is red, but you know that the top one is stop. Mm All he has done is create a minor inconvenience ray. Uh-huh. It's really not well, that much of. It's not. Even, I know he's not threatening. I know he's not I think the, the killer from Seven, but it's not even a problem. When he really. takes the color away, I think the idea is that people are getting like 
depressed. The problem is there aren't people in this universe, so we don't really see the effect of it. Mm-hmm. We just sort of accept as little kids watching this on Saturday morning that mm-hmm. taking color away from things is bad. Dr. I don't accept Dredd's, that. That's stupid. Dr. Dredd's plans ran very large to very small. Yeah. My favorite plan of his was when he tried to frame the Drac Pack using movies and bad film reviews. Oh, yeah. The Drac Pack goes to see a movie about the Drac Pack. Which and, they don't remember making. Yeah, and it turns out that uh, it's actually a propaganda film mm. made by Dread to discredit the Drag Pack. And they're shown, like, pushing little kids, taking their stuff, and in the, the funniest bit in this entire show... <laughs> We see Drac Jr. going to a child's birthday party. Yay, it's my birthday. Here's my cake. And he says, oh, yeah, well, here's a real trick. And he spreads his cape, and then he whips it back. (laughs) The cake is gone. And all the girls start crying. And he turns to the camera and said, I ate the whole thing. (laughs) I am an evil cakeivore. Anyway. Now you know what audience they're catering to. Where the height of wickedness is stealing color yeah. and eating your fucking birthday cake. Here's my thing. God damn it. Here's my thing with kids programming, and it's something I really don't think we can articulate enough. Well, I think some people thought about this. Some people, honestly, I remember the first time someone brought this up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I never really, really thought about it before. Mm. Kids programming isn't made by kids. Mm. It's made by adults who think either kids need to see this shit. Because that's what kids have to see, or it's what kids want to see. Either way, there is way too much opportunity for condescension. Yeah. The old, well, and especially the further back you go, kids' mm. storytelling. The idea of telling a story specifically for kids. It's kind of, it's kind of recent, It's actually, relatively yeah. recent, and it started off mostly as cautionary tales. Mm. You look at the Grimm's fairy tales, they're very gruesome. And they exist to tell you things like don't talk to strangers. Mm. There's a whole series, God, I forget what it was called. There's a whole series of like really fucked up, gruesome parables mm. that was kind of like, um, you remember like Mrs. Piggle Wiggle? I don't know. I know Aesop's fables. No, but... like Mrs. Piggle was like this other version of Mary Poppins. He was like this magic lady, and every mm. chapter was a different moral parable about the family that she worked for. Okay. And there would be things like, um, oh, the kids uh, started being tattletales. And what she would do is she would turn that around in a magical way and everyone learned a viable lesson. So if you're a tattletale, like you grow an actual tale. Okay. Uh, okay. So, but the earliest version of that, and I read some of it in college, was like, okay, so the father has like two children and they're fighting. Mm. Kids fight. Nowadays, we think of that as reasonably healthy, but you discourage it. Mm. Um what he does is he takes them out to the woods where there are two mutilated corpses strung up. And he says, they were also siblings. Let me tell you how this happened. And then you, it's like this horrifying tale. But the idea was they were trying to scare children, mm. terrify them into being good. And a lot of this comes from an early Christian idea, which is that children uh, aren't intrinsically, inherently from the moment of birth going to heaven. Mm. So they have to be as good as humanly possible. From, early on, from day if they one, even yeah. want to get into purgatory. Yeah. Um, so, like, but like, even, but then later on, there's this just this element of condescension. Oh, I don't give a shit, kids. Like, the difference between Drac Pack and Monster Squad for me. Okay, not stylistically, not in terms of medium, animated, live action, whatever. They're both kids shows. Mm. One of them feels like it was made by adults who are at least trying to amuse themselves. Monster yeah. Squad, there's the occasional ribald joke 
mm-hmm. that's like really coded. There's a bunch of like oh. kind of kind of just in jokes for people who know the industry. There's just little things where you can tell that the people who made it wanted to amuse themselves. Well, also, and with track packing, you have, they're trying to just entertain wee kids and they don't know what kids want. Here's the thing. When you have, when you're an actor playing Dracula and you have to put on the makeup and you have to put on the cape and you have to go to a set and you have to stand in front of a camera or an audience, there is a huge level of commitment to that role. Mm-hmm. You can't sleepwalk through, I suppose you could, but there's a lot more just physically and emotionally involved in putting pouring yourself into that role. So if you mm. see somebody overacting as Dracula, he's doing it because he wants to. And you can tell if he wants to or not. True. With a voice actor, they can hide. They f- rattle it off. They just need to sound right. The actors aren't necessarily in the same room recording at the same time. They're just reading words off of a page, and you're piecing together this kind of ransom note of children's entertainment. <laughs> Where your attention is held for ransom, and uh, it, it feel it can feel a lot more cynical, especially in this Hanna Barbera mold where things were being produced so quickly and so little thought was going into them, and it shows. All right, uh, the next episode that aired was "Mind Your Manners, Doctor mm-hmm. Dread." I'm actually not 100 percent sure why it's called that, but in any case, this mm-hmm. is the one where he's trying to frame the Drac Pack for robbing a museum, mm-hmm. and that and, doesn't work. And that's pretty much all I got out of this episode. And, uh, the episode is King Tut Tut and. Uh, Something I noticed in the second episode is uh, Dr. Dredd has a mummy. Yeah, mummy man. You look at Monster Squad, one of the villains had a mummy. Yeah, there was a villainous mummy. There was a villainous mummy. Stole things. Uh, I seem to recall that mummies are always doing the work of the villains, and they're never hanging around with the groovy ghoulies. Uh, Is there a good mummy? I believe... uh, Mad Monster Party, they dance. There's even a song after the mummy. I believe the Big Bad Beetleborgs had a good mummy. Oh, I, I'm not so familiar with the Big Bad one of the, I forget. Someone's going to crack me on this. One of the many mm. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers knockoffs that appeared in the 90s. People mm. like VR Troopers mm. or Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters in Beverly Hills. Uh, which, by the way, Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters in Beverly Hills is the absolute worst of the genre. <laughs> I defy you to watch one episode of that and I tell know, me I've, it's not. I've seen VR Troopers. I have too. Right. Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters in Beverly mm. Hills. Holy shit. Um, I digress. Uh, I believe one of them, like, like the idea was that the characters, like, kind of, like, lived in a haunted house, and I think there was a mummy that was a good guy. It was, like, you know, hanging oh, okay. around the haunted house. But generally speaking, not very many. Uh, I mean, there was, so like, what, one, what, what, what is, is a little about... kid's nightmare for Christmas was a mummy that wasn't terribly threatening. But Monster I, Squad had an evil mummy. Yeah, um, uh, but, you know, the mummy wasn't one of the sort of the compassionate characters. That was essentially yeah. just Jack and Sally. Um, yeah, even, I guess that's even, what they were kinda, Santa, even Santa Claus is a dick in that movie. They were kind of uh, going for like in the in the most recent Mummy reboot with Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to ruin if you haven't seen it because there's only so many things that you get out of that movie. So mm-hmm. I don't want to take them away from you. But they tried to pull like some sort of positive twisteroo at the end. My, my my question is in this world where we've entered into sort of the post Monster Mash world where Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman can be friendly superheroes. Yeah. Why is the mummy always left out? And my only solution is racism. I, yeah. It's the only one of those characters M- who isn't mummy, traditionally white. Mummy racism. That's all it's it is. It's the only one of those characters who isn't traditionally white. Yeah. If yeah. Eastern European, yeah, fine. But, like, white. Mm. Um, yeah, that's fucked up. You're and, absolutely right. And, that and, is and, fucked up. And, you know, Arnold Vosloo, at least he's not a British actor like Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> 
like Arnold Vosloo. Arnold Vosloo, no, he's really Arnold, good. He's, actually, he's fine, and, yeah. and he's he's the only like non-white, mu- the first non-white mummy I think we have. Ah, uh, I'm aware. Surely there's, there's probably others, some, but, yeah. but like in terms of major role, yeah, yeah. that's that's for sure. Weird. All right, the next episode. Mummy racism, man. Thank you. Keep the an next, eye out. The next episode was Happy Birthday, Dr. Dredd. Um, and this episode, it's Dr. Dredd's birthday. Yeah, the, and but his cake is too small. His cake is too small. Toad. And he has. Bad toad. Bad toad. Dredd has. Here's, there's, there's two things cake. about Dredd. There's two things about Dredd. And the one thing they even, they even mentioned it once. Mm-hmm. He does have an inferiority complex. He can't just do a crime. He needs to be known. Yeah. He needs to have the respect of Drac Jr., he needs to be recognized. Um, but the other thing about him, and Michelle pointed this out, she got through like two episodes of this and she's like, I'm out. She watched it through two? <laughs> yeah, she was just like, no fucking way. <laughs> um, but she pointed this out. He's not really a criminal. He commits crimes. Mm-hmm. But that's like saying, like, I'm a sprinter because occasionally I run to the 7-Eleven. Like, I'm not like. <laughs> he's not successful. He's not. A, he's not. A, but what he is, mm-hmm. he is a performance artist. Okay. He he will come like up with like all the some, best villains. Like a lot of the best villains, he does some he does things to be noticed, and every single one of his ideas, oftentimes they're they're clever. And you have to admit, you know, it's not threatening that he built a gun that sucks the color out of things, but it's kind of impressive. Mm, it's like I've a, never seen that before. It's like a Christo project. Yeah. So and so his whole thing is he wants people to know it's his goddamn birthday, mm. and so he does things like he flies his dredgeable. Like around and like he makes like huge happy birthday Dr. Dread clouds and they try to make this seem super evil like they do their best. It cuts to like two characters on the beach like some just hunky mm-hmm. dude and some lady in a, in a swimsuit and they're like oh it sure is a nice day on the beach yeah I'm so glad it's sunny and then it's a little cloudy and they're like this day is ruined. Yeah they ruined those sunbathers. Made it slightly cloudy. Evil Dr. Dread. You, you can tell that the, they, they were drawn as nudes sunbathers and that the swimsuits were drawn on at the last minute some animators are just yeah the bikini didn't have a string (laughs) they just sort of they don't don't always sort of colored her boob and i think they did it with the guy's shorts too i think those are just bored animators trying to amuse themselves well a a friend of mine took a tour of the disney studios once uh i think this was when hercules was in production Mm. and he found in the trash a drawing of the characters like in flagrante. Somebody, somebody was bored and was drawing yeah. the characters just doing sexual things. Somebody lost their job about that. Oh yeah, they have somebody, no sense of humor about that. I've heard no. a lot of stories and, and about he, like animation parts where did, if you make like a ribald joke about Minnie Mouse, you're out. No mm. fuck, we no tolerance. Yeah, they have a zero tolerance policy, and yeah, luckily he didn't like think to sort of put that in his pocket. I'm sure that would be worth a lot at some point. Yeah. Actual Disney animator doing these things. Yeah, yeah, but some somebody found that he had found it, and you just know somebody was fired that day. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the next episode that aired was dreadful weather we're having. Mm-hmm. Dread builds a weather machine, and I remember like nothing he, like you do. I remember nothing else about this episode. Like uh, literally, I watched it yesterday, mm-hmm. and I have nothing. Um, I remember that the weather machine was called the Tempest in a Teapot because it was teapot shaped. It had a little lightning okay. bolt on the side. Right. It's a little golden teapot, and he used that to change the weather. Kind of the, the stories are a little trim here. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot we can really explore. No, we're, we're going to burn through these pretty quick. Uh, the mm. next episode was The Perilous Plunder of Pirate Park, in which there was plunder at Pirate Park, but to acquire said plunder required uh, a certain amount of uh, peril. 
Basically, it was Goonies before there was Goonies. It's like there's, uh, I was there's a little a unclear. Did, did he own the park? Like, Dr. Dredd opened the park, right? No, no. That, Dr. Dredd opened the park in another episode. This okay. is a different thing. This is basically SeaWorld was built on the cave from Goonies. So they go to SeaWorld, and there's this weird bit where they're like being chased by a giant dolphin, and you can tell it's supposed to be a killer whale, but the animation department didn't know what that looked like, so they just made it a big dolphin. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, and uh, But it turns out there's pirate treasure, and they're trying to steal the actual pirate treasure, but then they end up giving it to SeaWorld. What the shit. Um, the next episode... And, and we've had theme episodes. Like, we're going through every single like stock theme. Oh, yeah. Uh, cowboy episode, private episode, uh, pirate episode. Birthday episode. Birthday episode, yeah. shrink ray episode. These are all things that would cycle through almost every single one of these adventures. The color gun is different. Comedy. The color gun is a little different. I'll give you that. I've, I, the we, only time I remember that is in off, Rainbow Bright. Rainbow getting, Bright had that. And that that was appropriate because that's a color themed show. Yeah. It's called Rainbow Bright. Yeah. Uh, so we're just getting off the rack auto parts from Napa at this yeah. point and, <laughs> and ratcheting them into this very basic premise, which is what Hanna-Barbera did. They were all yeah. about efficiency. Not all about creativity. a formula. Just get it fucking done. Also, this was 1980. And 1980 began, like, the darkest period in American animation. <laughs> Um, yeah, we've talked where, about it many times. And we've times. talked about it many times where there was all marquee value. You had to have a previously sold character or product, and mm-hmm. it had to be able to tie into other saleable goods. Like and, toys. And yeah. creativity was well out the window. Yeah. Creators had no say. Animators had no say. You were essentially mm-hmm. a slave. And the entire decade is full of these gigantic commercials of garbage after garbage after garbage. Basically. Yeah, and, it was a shitty time. And, and, no, and people our age have nostalgia for that. Stop that! <laughs> Uh, Yahtzee Kroshaw compared that to uh, when you're a child, they hook you up to these weird milking machines. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, but you have fluids out of your body. But and... my milking machine had a Transformer sticker on yeah. it. Like, <laughs> like, that's all it is. You just have affection for the sticker. <laughs> the sticker <laughs> of your milking now, machine. Now, some of the... Listen, and I'm going to say this right now. Uh-huh. Some of those shows were good despite themselves or had good elements that we latch on to and we think those are worth saving. Or a creative person was able to push hard enough to get something interesting in it. Or the fundamental idea was kind of neat and it got you through it. It's not all a complete wash. We're not writing off an entire generation (laughs) but there was a problem with that generation and that was basically the root cause. And you know what saved us all? The Ren and Stimpy show Big part saved of it. us all. Big part of it, <laughs> it not going to lie. Huge, brought it, brought huge auteur part. theory. Auteur theory to television yeah, animation. Yeah, that was pretty great. Um, and you know what? It's damn good. Here's the thing with all of these episodes of Drag mm-hmm. Pack. Um, they are, I mean, with commercials, 30 minutes long. Mm. Without commercials, about 22. About 22. Um, that is like... Making a Drac Pack storyline into 22 minutes is like if you found out that every episode of Blue's Clues mm. was as long as Return of the King. Like, that's, it's just like there's not enough material. There's so much padding. There are and whole episodes of which, like, basically, like, something happens, Dredd has committed a crime, and then you spend like five minutes in the Drac lair where they, they call up uh, Dracula, mm. but they can't use the right phone. They debate over who's going to use the phone. They leave to solve the crime but then they come back because they didn't notice actually where it was supposed to go mm. and you can tell the episode was short and they, and they were calling up hey where do we go Dracula oh well I don't know but thanks for calling you know That's what this episode needed was a time. narrator 
the show needed a narrator, someone to fill time. Yeah. Someone to just announce things, maybe make a little joke, like in Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse is one of the great narrators <laughs> of all time. Like Danger Mouse, even the new Danger Mouse, great narration. The, the, the American dub of the Samurai Pizza Cats was especially... <laughs> do you remember the Samurai Pizza Cats? Vaguely. We'll talk about the Samurai Pizza Cats at some point. Uh, <laughs> was that only last one season? I think it lasted more than one season. Oh, okay. So we, we can't talk about it on the show. But. Moving on. Uh, the next episode, yeah. uh, <laughs> Night of the Turbites. I like the Turbites. I got to admit, I like the Turbites. The Turbites, okay, you remember in, uh, um, what was that Garfield and Friends uh, uh, farm? U.S. Acres. U.S. Acres, right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And U.S. Acres... Which is a newspaper strip, too. It was, yeah. but it's lesser known. I think most people remember it from the cartoon more than yeah. anything else. It was good. I always liked U.S. Acres. Um, <laughs> but there was a character in U.S. Acres who was an egg... Sheldon. Sheldon. Mm. He was an egg with legs. He, That's he, it. He never. He was afraid to get out of his shell. He never got out of his shell, so mm. he just walks around in his shell. Started to hatch and never finished the job. Yeah. That's a turbite. It's an egg that walks around, mm. but it's carnivorous, and it'll eat through anything. Anything you tell it to. Yeah. And if, So if you hold a turbite in your hand and say, you know, eat the Statue of Liberty, it's going to do that thing. So he uses it to and eat li- through the foundation of the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty and steal them. That's the episode. Because that's what supervillains do. They steal monuments. Why? What are you going to do with a monument? Really? I guess you put it in your backyard, Ma- Maybe I, I just don't have, like, a, I'm not in touch with my evil side, but I don't have an impulse to steal a monument. If you had to steal, like, look at this way. You have, here's the deal. You get carte blanche. You've saved the world from a, from a giant asteroid. Uh-huh. And in return, the United Nations has said, any monument in the world, you can get any one of them, Put it anywhere you want. It's yours. Put it in your backyard. You can live there. Do whatever you want. Mm. Which monument do you take? Which monument? Yeah, you got to take one monument. That's um, your that's your prize. Well, I'd, I'd, it's I'd rude to, not to accept it. I'd want to choose something I could live in. So St. Basil's Cathedral. Ooh. That's the, good. Taj Mahal's too big. St. Basil's Cathedral is If I was going to live with something, I'd pick like Notre Dame. Oh, there you go. super cool. And <laughs> um, if I'm not going to live in it... Mm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a thinker. Like it's seriously, tough, think yeah. about this audience. Like think okay. about this. Like what would what do you pick? That's a tough call. A friend of mine went to Mexico and went to the El Santo Museum. Ooh, the El Santo Museum. Is that has, a landmark? It's not a landmark, but okay. El Santo is is a legend. Okay, a legitimate. It's fine. It's not sure it's a landmark. And well, here, here's here's this story. Uh, it's not very well guarded. The El Santo Museum. There's maybe one or two guards. There's not a lot of money in this. The El Santo Who Museum. Would, oh, but that, I'm sorry. However, that's just, no one's going to steal from El Santo. He'll kick your ass. He'll track yeah. you down afterwards. There's yeah. no point. And, the, and they had bad masks. And they had a cape. Yeah. The cape is located in a place where you could just lean forward, take the cape off the wall, <laughs> put it in a bag, and walk out. Yeah. Would you do that? Would you steal El Santo's cape? I don't know if I... Uh, you don't have to be a supervillain for that. You just have to be um, a person, I an ordinary you, human with ordinary human weaknesses. I'm going to throw it out there because I don't know. Uh, did El Santo pass away? El Santo wasn't alive As anymore? far as we know. <laughs> okay, because here's the thing. There's, there's two things here. If he's alive, he's going to come back and kick my ass. Well, now if we're, now down, we're, we're following like El, El Hijo del Santo. So. Okay, my point is if the... But we're talking about the... It's OG's El Santo's OG cape, El Santo, right? Okay. Yeah. So if OG El Santo is alive, he will come out of retirement and kick my ass if I steal that cape. Mm. If he is dead... Mm. He will haunt the fuck out of me. He's in that cape. He's in the cape. <laughs> that cape is going to float around my apartment and like body slam me. And let me tell you something. That is a great episode of a horror anthology uh, show was, waiting to be written. I was about to say, where, where's the, where's the PG-13 rated haunting movie about an evil luchador? 
that possesses someone. I want to see that. Oh, you ever seen, possesses you ever, a racist white guy. There was a there was a character in the fifth season of Angel who was a former luchador superhero mm. who now works in the mailroom, and there was this big flashback about him fighting the Devil's Robot. <laughs> you ever hear the Devil's Robot? <gasps> El Diablo Robotico. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We're off topic. We're way we off topic. We don't want to be on sucks. topic. Moving on. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Night the of the, tur- termites. the Termites. He's still the thing who gives yeah. a shit. The next uh, well, is... Can, uh, can, can I read the description of Night of the Turbites please. from Wikipedia? Please. Okay. Dr. Dredd has a new invention called the Turbites. They are little pink eggs with little legs and feet mm. and big teeth and appetites. Mm. Upon command, the Turbites will eat anything, Period. Meanwhile, Drac, Frankie, and Howler are going to a monster disco party. Oh, I forgot about the disco party! They do go to a disco Period. party. That's the entire description. They Meanwhile, go to this monster to disco party. party, and it turns out that all the other monsters are robots put there by Dr. Dredd, except for Vampira, who mm. briefly seduces Drac Jr., but then, of course, it, they're, they're from two different worlds, even though they're literally from the same world. And they vampires. have the exact same superpowers, and they look really similar. Oh, maybe they're <gasps> their brother and sister holy fuck moving on uh, next episode is time out for Dr. Dread. time stopper gun We've yeah it comes it. out with a time stopper gun we've seen it a million times I'm trying and to and he does it to rob a bank and stop yeah. yachts and stuff. it's only effective for five minutes but here's my question the idea of the time stopper gun is it only works for five minutes and everything goes back to normal what if you built a second time stopper gun and used it on the other time stopper gun what it, well I guess it would extend another five minutes wouldn't it right how? Do that. Make a really long time stopper gun with like 30 guns in it and you can extend the life of it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a dredgeable. He's got room in there for it. There's a scene in this in this episode where Dr. Dredd rides Toad like a horse for no reason. Mm. There was no particular, we weren't in a horse race. There was no like, you know, oh, we got to go. I hurt my ankle. Toad, carry me. Mm. Just does it. That's just, that's just their relationship. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not judging. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, episode 8 is Hideout Hotel, in which uh, Dr. Dredd takes over a hotel uh, in mm-hmm. because he wants to open a hotel for supervillains, which is actually a fun idea for a show. I would actually watch that show. Where's my Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> Little does he know that Dracula is having a, a, a retired monsters uh, reunion in the basement. Mm. Waka waka. And the problem with all this is we see all the supervillains in a single shot. They're animated in, like in a single mob. And it looks like they're just sort of dragging the cell across the page. Like, yeah, they could not be bothered. It. This would have been a great so, opportunity to like reuse animation from other Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Yeah, have other villains yeah, in just, there somehow. Every Scooby-Doo villain. Just shove them on the cell. Like, it would have been fun. It would have been a fun gag. Too, like, much, too much energy. And all those other monsters that Dracula is having a reunion with, we don't see them. Hmm. So other monsters. What other monsters? What are they? Who are? Is there a Gilman? Is there a good mummy? <laughs> you okay with the mummies? I know you're worried about the mummies. There was a time before um, the, the the newer mummy reboot when Wendy and I had like an ongoing bet to see what's the next monster going to be. Like what's going to replace zombies or what's going to replace vampires and uh, Whitney had an idea about like a post-apocalyptic mummy movie well wasn't it like mummies like all just mummies everywhere all across the planet rising we've had vampire apocalypse and zombie apocalypse movies I've even seen a wolfman apocalypse movie sure but we've never had a mummy apocalypse where that I know of there's millions of mummies everywhere and I had an idea for (laughs) was it called mummies everywhere because that's pretty good with an exclamation point it'd just be called mummy apocalypse 
you can you can make that better. I workshop it a little bit. All right. Uh, let's next. Uh, next up was uh, Dread Goes Hollywood. We already talked about this one. Mm-hmm. This is the one where Dread makes the propaganda movies, mm-hmm. and then the Drag Pack goes to Universal Studios. Not literally, but it's that's they, t- uni- they take the studio a lot too. Are it's they, the, they it's the latest the... Universal Studios episode well, and, and of here, many that we've covered here, on the show. Here's the weird thing: they take the tour and they point to a big spooky castle and they say, "Hey, there's where Uncle Drack used to make movies." Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm really confused now. <laughs> where are we? in reality right now. So are you saying that the Dracula we saw in those old Universal films was not a Hungarian actor named Bela Lugosi, I think but you, the actual Dracula? In the 19th, listen, in the 1930s, mm. you, you could not uh, uh, be a vampire and working in Hollywood. Now, they'd make movies about vampires, but mm. if you were, people knew you were a vampire, it was... You'd Just be, you, no one would hire you. More racism. So, so we had to, uh, Bela Lugosi was his beard. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Bela Lugosi he, was yeah. Bela Lugosi was like played him in public appearances. Well, I when think he what happened was, was probably because he, he's a shapeshifter, right? He probably looked more like Bela Lugosi in the movie, mm. and then Bela Lugosi went around and did all the stuff. But in order to get like the real performance, it's basically like Shadow of like a Hollywood vampire, Shadow of the Dracula. Yeah. Moving I'll, on, I'll buy it. It's better, more interesting than this episode. Episode ten, Dreads photo finish. This episode is basically when I gave up on the show. I watched these out of order, by the way. This is like the fourth episode I watched. Dread's photo finish. Dread has created a photo, uh, a camera that turns that, people into paper that makes them flat, and then he rolls them up and he takes them away and he steals them. Mm-hmm. And of course, steal, steal famous people. That's a good supervillain. So of thing, course, right? he hands the camera uh, to Toad, the bumbling idiot who works for him, mm-hmm. uh, and Toad runs into a lepidopterist. A butterfly collector, or someone who photographs butterflies in this case. And uh, their cameras get mixed up. And then the lepidopterist is taking pictures of a whole bunch of shit. Like, oh my god, a werewolf! That was a great picture! Mm. Snap! And then Howler is flattened. And then they're all trying to get the camera. That's it! It would be funny if something happened with the posters. Like, okay, you're like, we have to keep him dry. Or... Or, oh no, we're going into the scissor factory. Is something just that would play into the fact that people are being turned into paper? No. No, we got nothing. There's not, e- not even gags. Not even gags. I, I don't even think there were. It's, they, they mix up a thing. That's it. Yeah. That's basically just them cavorting in a park. That's, that's a whole episode. Then we have a shrink ray episode. Yeah, Dr. Dredd is a shrinker. He has created a Which, thing that shrinks other things, and he uses it for the stupidest reason. Mm. So he, he he takes a shrink ray and he shrinks a train and he's going to use the train to steal gold out of Fort Knox. Mm. Now follow along with me here. You have a shrink ray. Mm. You can put that gold in your pocket. You shrink yourself. Yeah. Get in. Shrink, shrink. all the gold. I Even guess, more. Like, I guess, guess there's got to be a point of no return shrink wise. Well, so what you can do is you can go into. You shrink yourself, you get into Fort Knox, you grow back, you shrink the gold, you put it in your pockets, but then you're stuck in a vault with your pocket full of gold. Well, just there's got to be an exit somewhere. You <laughs> and, just make yourself so tiny that when they open the door in the morning, you just run right out like a rat. I, I got the impression that he could only shrink and grow to f- like two different sizes. Like he can't continue to shrink himself down. That's well, then not, invent a better enter. shrink ray for fuck's sake. It's your gun. <laughs> it's a shrink ray. That's impressive enough. <laughs> What do I want? Now, what I love is that Drac Jr. does get a hold of the shrink ray while he's a bat. Now, first of all, he turns into a bat, which is a large bat with a human head. Yeah. He can already fly as a human-shaped vampire, so turning into a giant bat with a human head gives him no advantage whatsoever. Makes Basically. him slightly smaller, I suppose. You could fit through a window that way. Eh. And, uh... 
he uses he evidently is shrunk when he takes the shrink ray as a bat, shoots it into a mirror, it bounces off and he grows back regular, but it's the exact same effect as when he just turns back into a human. So why did he need the shrink ray? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. To be fair, they do shrink and grow everyone a lot in the episode. It's not like they're not stingy with the shrink ring. The next episode is a dire day at Dreadful Land. Dread Mm. has decided to open an amusement park next to Dracula's house. Dracula is very annoyed by this and has the Drac Pack investigate. And the the villainous scheme (laughs) is to make cheap merchandise that breaks. Yeah. That's it. Whole thing. It's actually so. What the Drakback planned do is obsolescence they, is his plan. The Drakback announced that they're going to build their own amusement park next to Dreadful Land, mm. and so in order to foil their evil scheme to uh, to take money away from Dreadful Land, mm. he destroys Dreadful Land so that when they told everyone it's next to Dreadful Land, no one will be able to find that other amusement park, and then he runs away victorious. And what and, the fuck? And and the Drakback just lost billions of investors' money. <laughs> they're pilloried. And they're staked and chased out of town with rakes and forks. Why aren't they monsters? Thirteen Episode 13. Why aren't they monsters? They don't do monster Episode stuff. 13, package deal. Dr- mm. Big D sends mm. the Drac Pack on a mission to Transylvania to acquire something. Mm. It's a mysterious package. It's a little, doc- little coffin-shaped box. And Dr. Dredd wants the package. And, of course, it gets confused with Frankie's lunch. So Dr. Dredd steals a sandwich. Mm. Um, this is also stay the, in a hotel. There's an episode. This is the episode where Frankie says he's scared of cemeteries. And I'm like... And they acknowledge, but Frankie, you were made in a cemetery. So I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we're there's still a ghoulish origin for all these people. <laughs> but also, as we've clearly established in like the credits of every episode, he lives in a cemetery right now. Yep. Yeah, Turns out yeah. it's Dracula's teddy bear. That's what's in That's the, the, in twist. the package. Yeah. Whoopty shit. Um, and it's not a bear. It's like a little monster. But yeah, it's his little like b- beloved childhood stuffy. Episode 14, Grimmest Book of Records. Uh, now, to, uh, to be fair, I was in a rush. I couldn't look around for this episode enough. So I've seen this one in Portuguese. I've seen it in English. This episode, okay. <laughs> I don't now, know how I, you managed to I do could, that. <laughs> I could follow what was going on. It's not complicated. Dread is trying to get into the Grimmest Book, like the evil Book of World Records, mm-hmm. by stealing a an oil tanker, a prize Race horse and a clock of some and sort. and Big Ben oh and Big Ben uh, all in three hours mm. and he succeeds but they prevent him from taking a photograph to prove he did it mm. that's the episode <laughs> which is you know ca- kind of cruel you know hubris hubris like he, he, all he wants is the recognition and he did it and he can't prove it to anybody it's a tragedy mm-hmm. to that. Episode 15, International Graffiti. Mm. This is the episode in which Dr. Dredd creates a gun that puts his face on stuff. And That's right. He puts his face on it, statues and gargoyles mm. and Mount Rushmore and even other 3D, people. It's a 3D printer. Basically, it's a 3D but, printer, but yeah. it shoots. And and he goes to, like, Easter Island and puts his face on all the Easter Island heads. Yeah. And Vandalism. And, and so uh, they stop him from doing that. And they take it back, and I guess they have... How do they, t- how do they fix it? Like does, uh, they, does they, the ray, they, does, you can program the ray, ray gun. You can program the ray gun, so they can just put the face. Well, back. it's a really confusing bit where uh, Toad shoots Toad's face onto Doctor Dread, mm. and Doctor Dread's like, "Turn me back!" And then Toad manages to turn his own face. But here's the thing: he can't. There's no imprint. Mm. There's no. Well, Dr. Dreadface left to turn him back into yeah, it, so it's really... What conf- it does is it, it scans your face and fires a laser at the same time and yeah. turns your face into that thing. So how do they fix the f- sphinx? Do they have, like, a little souvenir sphinx that they're scanning? Or are they, like, That's the changing best they're gonna it into do. a replica... Uh, 
like a reasonable facsimile of the I'm original. I'm going to say there's a few flaws with this episode. We're just going to move on. All episode right. uh, uh, 16, the last episode that aired. Hmm. It's in the bag, Dr. Dredd. Uh, and it's in the bag, Dr. Dread is the Burbankium episode. Yeah, There's a lost they're... silver city of Burbankium. Uh, a lot of the animation done in California, mm. which is, you know, Hollywood, you know, every you know, entertainment mm. capital of the world, uh, is done in Burbank. Mm. That's, 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 this is that's the, joke. the joke. Yeah. This is what we've got. Bur- Burbank, yeah, Burbankium, named after Burbank, California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Full of money. They take that money. Founded by Doug Burbank. Turns out the money is in a mountain, mm. and we're done. No, it, it, it turns out the the money is, is the, the mountain. mountain. Yeah, That's the no. big twist. And we're fucking done. And we're done with Drac Pack. Drac Pack. If it had lasted 100 episodes, would have been more bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it would have been more off the rack stories. It would have been more limited animation. Now. You can tell that there, there was sort of a turning point here. And if you watch an animated show long enough, you can kind of tell, especially comedy shows, you can tell when they were using different animation studios. Yeah, there's a couple some episodes were, where things are a little better animated. Yeah, some or, things are really slick. The character design changes a little bit because there's yeah. multiple teams working on this. Yeah, they're not necessarily... The order that in which they premiered or which oh. you find them on... This has been released on DVD. If you, if this is the order which you find them. Mm. Um, you know, not necessarily the order in which they were produced. Mm. And they might be using earlier character models or they might have decided uh, after they saw that episode to change something. These things happen. Watch any like first season episode of The Simpsons and be like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, occasionally you watch a show and like it'll change from scene to scene because they're splitting up episodes between various houses so they can get it done as quickly as possible. Yeah, makes sense if in efficiency terms. But the look will change, and this is I think the earliest show I've seen with that that happened. Mm. I noticed this with Tiny Toon Adventures because I watched that a lot. Yeah. Like the the quality would change drastically from scene to scene in that show, and it's pretty weird because, because they had different animators and different designers. Strangely, the characters would look and move differently. Well, and it's pretty it's really weird in this case because there were so few episodes. This isn't mm. like there are a whole bunch of different seasons. And, yeah, and it wasn't. A, going it was a break. weekly show too. It wasn't a daily program. It's very bizarre. So, yeah. Um. But yeah. So, uh, Drag Pack uh, was not canceled too soon. No. Oh, good lord, no. Drag Pack should have been canceled from frame one. <laughs> Just get it out of the way. We are d- <laughs> not the worst show we've ever done. No, but but it's, close. But it's close. And like I said, Hanna Barbera <laughs> is a glittering salted alkali flat <laughs> of garbage. Like a lot ca- of it is cattle, cattle skulls and then poison. A lot of it is poison that. vagrants. They're just it's ho- we got, awful, awful. We, I was tweeting about this earlier in the week, and there's a couple of things I noticed. One was a couple of people actually went and sought out some Monster Squad episodes uh-huh. after our last episode, and we got like some just like you know kind of teary-eyed salutes. Just like <laughs> how did you? I, I'm impressed. Make it through the whole. You made it home thing. alive. Like well done. And I'm just like you have no fucking idea what we do for you people. <laughs> Drag back fucking killed me. And it, was a, and, and it was a time suck, too. 16 episodes that's of this. A long, and they're long episodes for this sort of shit. This should have been 10 minutes every episode paired with some other bullshit. Mm. Like, that's what it should have been. And then a, when I was basically tweeting about how much I fucking hate you for choosing this show. You're welcome. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, this episode's going to be a good one. And I'm just like, oh, is that the standard? Is that how this works? The more we suffer, the more you have fun. I hope you had fun. I hope you had fun. We have to cut this a little short because Whitney has to run yeah, uh, to a screening. So there won't be any letters today. However, we're going to do a couple quick plugs. Um, we do uh, have a Patreon account. Yes. Patreon.com slash 
Cancelled too soon. Cancelled always has one L. That's how we were taught to spell it. <laughs> um, that is, it is correct. That is the correct two L's version. is okay too. Uh, but we do it. We do it one anyway. Cancelled too soon at Patreon for different tiers. You get different perks. Um, we just had our first Google Hangout. We just did. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was for our top tier members, um, and we just had fun. We uh, hung out with Sergio. We talked about TV shows and movies and, and, and weird and, esoterica. And, and the prize packs we sent out. We that's true. About that a we also bit. send out uh, prize packs, secret surprise prize both, packs. Both of those are for our, our, our top tier But even at, the, even at the lowest tier, $5 a month, uh, you get to uh, help pick one episode of the show every single month. This month, it's for uh, the bonus episode that you also get, even at the lowest tier on Patreon, mm -hmm. the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie where we review TV movies and miniseries. Uh, coming up within the next week, we're going to be doing Stephen King's The Langoliers yeah. for Halloween. So that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, next week on the show proper, which you get for free... Mm -hmm. No matter how you subscribe. We're going to be doing one of our more requested horror-themed shows mm -hmm. because, uh, boy, this monster superhero shit killed me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know... To, uh, we had to do these back to back because there's no, no way we'd, we, we could we, separate. We, them. we had to, and uh, but this is this is one more requested super uh, uh, supernatural shows. Yeah, uh, and uh, I actually don't don't even know if it's good or not. I haven't watched it yet, but it'll be really interesting to see if Kindred the Embraced uh, holds up because it has actually a pretty, uh, a pretty a, powerful cult following. A pretty passionate yeah. cult following. It's the only primetime vampire soap opera that I'm aware of to be both produced by Aaron Spelling and based on a role-playing game. <laughs> <laughs> so this should be real fun. Uh, so join us next week for that. It'll be our last Halloween-themed episode. Uh, and uh, also follow us on Twitter at CancelledCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. You can, e uh, you can email us, uh, CancelledTooSoon, all one word, at gmail.com. Um, and uh, send in suggestions for shows. Tell, mm -hmm. Let us know if you watched Drag Pack. If you have any memories of it, I'm sure we, you're traumatized. We, we did have somebody say that they remembered watching this and probably are, are crying, so crying sorry. into their pillow right now. I'm so sorry that this so that that you were forced to endure this Remember, at a tender eight, eight, age. 80s nostalgia is wrong. It's, <laughs> it is it's a terrible decade. It's both, both incorrect and immoral. Everything was like American Psycho. That was it. The animation department had been Hanna Barbera. <laughs> it was all J. All <laughs> was Patrick Bateman. It was all Patrick Bateman. That's what it was. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Blah 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 blah. That's a wrap. We'll see you next season.